Smartcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, and welcome to Deep Leadership. I'm your host, John Rennie. Well, I hope all is well with you today. It is Saturday morning again, and I'm drinking a hot cup of Bottom Gun Coffee from my friends at BottomGunCoffee.com. I have another great show lined up for you, but before we get started, I just wanted to mention my latest leadership book. It's called You Have the Watch and is available on my website and on Amazon. It's a number one new release and a bestseller on Amazon, and I'm excited about this new book because it's not actually a book. It is a guided journal for leaders that will take you through an entire year of leadership training. There are 50 themes in the book, and each day you'll reflect on a different facet of that theme. This journal is designed to be on your desk at work for you to read and reflect on for about 15 minutes each morning. Leadership skills are like any other skills. You need to practice them to get better at them, and this journal helps you practice those skills. So if you're interested in this guided journal, go to youhavethewatch.com or Amazon and pick up your copy today. If you're looking for other ways to support what I'm doing on this show, purchase any one of my books at johnsrenny.com, and podcast listeners can always use the discount code DEEP at checkout to get additional savings. Also, I just wanted to mention that the Deep Leadership Podcast is now ranked in the top 2.5% most popular shows out of 3 million podcasts globally, according to Listen Score. We're also closing in on being ranked a top 100 management show in the U.S., so I wanted to thank each and every one of you for listening in every week and sharing these episodes with your friends. You have helped this podcast grow into a top-performing show, so thank you very much. Well, that is it. Today we're going to be talking about the problem of manipulation. My guest is Noah Ravoy, and he's going to help us understand this important concept. Unfortunately, too many bosses rely on manipulation to get their way. And there's a big difference between persuasion and manipulation. This episode will help you become a more effective leader by avoiding the pitfalls of choosing the wrong way of influencing others. Get this right, and you'll naturally get more done. So, are you ready to dive in? Let's get started. Welcome to Deep Leadership. Leadership is a people business. That's the philosophy of your podcast host, John Rennie. As a former Cold War submarine officer who spent 20 plus years leading businesses in corporate America before starting his own manufacturing business, he knows that leadership matters. Leadership matters. Are you ready for some real world actionable advice from John as well as his expert guests? I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. The show starts right now. Welcome to the Deep Leadership Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Noah Ravoy. Noah is a personal and business relationship strategist. His specialty is helping businesses and individuals root out all forms of manipulation to keep relationships honest and productive. He is the author of a new book called Become Immune to Manipulation, How They Are Manipulating You and How to Resist It. Now, this is a subject we have not covered on the podcast so far, and I am excited to have him on the show to learn what leaders can do to protect themselves and their people from manipulation. So, Noah, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me on. 
Man, this is a great subject, interesting subject, one we haven't covered in all the episodes we've done. So I am excited to dive into the subject. But first of all, I got to ask you, how does one become a personal and business relationship strategist? What is it and how did you get into this? Well, years ago, um, I was actually trained originally to be a minister. And as as work, I did you know various things for, for make living. And when I moved to Portugal, I started doing more and more um, business consulting. So I was helping people with the change over to the euro and the increased competitivity in the European market to adapt to that. And I started to realize that what was holding people back was their relationship, their relationships with their clients, with their employees, with their suppliers, and then even more so the private relationships they had in their personal life. So if someone's going through a divorce, they're not going to be very productive at work. And if they're a leader, this is going to distract them from leadership tremendously and take away from their ability to run their companies. And so by helping people with their various relationships through strategy, because that's really the what we have to have is a strategy for how we manage relationships uh, versus what you usually get is a bunch of tactics. You get a bunch of do this, get that result. Whereas I prefer looking at it from the strategic perspective of how do you approach relationships? How do you cultivate them over the long term rather than trying to get a short-term result with an indefinable long-term result? And by doing this repeatedly, uh, I started to realize that the relationship was the high return on investment part of the coaching for me and for the client. And by helping them change their perspectives on how they related to everyone that they did business with, a lot of my clients were able to make more money. I had a lot, one of my early clients, for example, had more than half of his clients were uh, past due more than 120, excuse me, more than 120 days. And he was too nice to collect on them. Mm. And they were too often simply disorganized. (laughs) It is Southern Europe, too disorganized to pay. And so helping him clean that up took the business from nearly failing back into being highly productive and profitable again. And I I kept replicating this and looking at the patterns. And the pattern that I noticed is all of the unhealthy relationships had a lot of manipulation in them. Mm -hmm. And that eventually led to writing this book. Yeah, that's and that's one of the things that I noticed right away. You learned that there was a pattern that manipulation played a major role in um, in these in these problems that these uh, business leaders faced. Uh, you also coach, you know, uh, couples, professionals, founders, executives, investors. But you found there a common a common uh, theme was manipulation. So help us understand what is manipulation. What would you? What's a good way for us to think of what manipulation is? So manipulation is social and emotional warfare. Mm. Uh, we understand violence. That's very clear. That's physical warfare in three-dimensional space. But violence is incredibly expensive. Uh, it's expensive to initiate. It's expensive to defend against. And so we've done a really good job at avoiding violence uh, as a species, despite the fact that <laughs> peers were a really violent species. We actually try to avoid it whenever we can. And what we often do instead is we resort to manipulation. So mm. we use psychology and emotions and social um, pressures to avoid a fight, but still get the thing we want at the cost of another person. Mm. And unfortunately, um, you know, we we still use this 
in our intimate personal relationships of people on our team. Mm. You know, most people understand that using violence against your own side, against your own family, friends, workmates, or whatever is, is wrong. But if you ask them, is it wrong to manipulate? And I've done this before. People, is it wrong to manipulate if you have the objective of something good coming out of it for both people? And people will say, oh, no, it's okay in that case. And it's kind of like saying, I'm going to hit you so that you do better. You know, it's yeah. not, it's, yeah. it's, we understand that with violence, but we've been manipulated into believing that manipulation doesn't have any long-term negative consequences mm. so that we can engage in this kind of um, aggression against someone else. And there's not going to be any blowback from it. And mm. that's wrong. And what I saw in relationships is that manipulation at first could smooth things over. You got what you wanted and maybe that worked once and it worked twice. And this is why people manipulate because it works until it doesn't. And when it doesn't, then it goes exactly the opposite. And you find someone that was super cooperative that really wanted to work with you feels betrayed. They feel, they feel manipulated. And now they're not, they're not neutral anymore. They're actually become your enemy and they start working against you. And so people were, were turning, you know, friends and business partners into enemies when in reality they would have benefited more by cooperating, but mm. they did it because they'd been manipulated and it felt so bad. They'd rather destroy their company. You know, they'd rather just detonate that relationship than continue because of the hurt they had over the manipulation. That makes a lot of sense. Wow. I never, never thought of it that way, but yeah, I see it now very clearly that it's a root cause for a lot of a lot of um, a lot of relationships that that fall apart is is usually one is playing uh, some sort of role where they're manipulating and and yeah and and we're going to talk about that in more detail uh, but that's really wild so let, let's you've got a new book out it's called Becoming Immune to Manipulation and who, who when you wrote the book who who's your target audience why did you write this book and and who were you trying to get it out to so. When I what I was doing in coaching uh, was at a very high level, it was very complicated, and it wasn't for your average person. But I realized that while leaders have a responsibility to protect their people from manipulation, the people they're protecting have to understand the manipulation as well. It's kind of yeah. like those old anti-bullying programs, and they tell yeah. the bully stop bullying and the teacher to watch out. But that only gets rid of about ten percent of bullying. The other ninety percent happens where the teacher's not looking. And with a kid who doesn't care. And so we found that it was more effective with, with bullying programs to teach the, the children that were being bullied how to deal with it instead. And it's the same with manipulation. If you teach the people at the bottom who are getting manipulated, the, the end victims of manipulation, how to resist it, then everyone around them has to start dealing with it in a, in a more fair way. And in order to do that, I actually worked with uh, Joshua Isaac, who is um, a ghostwriter, and he helped me take my ideas and, and you know drafts and things that I had written and information I'd written for clients and make it much more digestible for the general public. And I wanted to create a guide that anyone could use in any type of organization to very quickly identify, am I being manipulated or not? And then how to address it. And this is important because most manipulation does not come from people who are truly malicious. It usually comes from people that think they're doing a good thing, um, trying trying to get their needs met, or they're just desperate individuals 
and they're trying to get something out of us that they may actually need. And if we address, if we were to cut every manipulator out of our life, we'd have nobody left. We'd be all alone. Mm. And so we have to address it with more empathy than that. We have to, you know, get um, the other person's needs met while we make sure that our needs are also being met. And that's really the key to it is figuring out uh, how to take it from a position of win-lose into a win-win situation. And you you can't have a win-win situation with manipulation. Usually you get win-lose. Often you get a lose-lose. Everybody ends up losing in the end. And you can prevent that by having that empathy to find out what the other person really wants, what they actually need to get to dig deep into that and then persuade them to how to do something which will benefit all of us, you know, benefit both parties. And if you can't do that, then you can part ways without having bad feelings because you haven't been harming each other. You come together. It doesn't work. Okay, let's go separate ways. Now you can have, maybe maybe you can work together in the future versus trying to manipulate each other. And even if you aren't the manipulator and you let someone manipulate you, you can't have a trust-based relationship with that person. Mm. Think of it Think of it this way. If, if I'm a manipulator and I let that guy manipulate and I manipulate somebody and he lets me do it, I can't trust him because someone else could manipulate him next and, and now he could turn against me. So I'll never trust that guy. Manipulators never trust the people they can manipulate. Mm. And and this is, it's incredibly trust destroying, both being manipulated and manipulating other people. It ruins trust in the relationships. Mm. That makes a lot of sense. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, let's, let's, let's take about like big picture here because uh, I think manipulation is everywhere. And I think one of the things is, uh, you know, you you talk about that. We're subject subjected to uh, a constant barrage of manipulation, and, and we're not. Most of us aren't even aware of it. In fact, probably before this discussion, I wasn't even aware of it. So, what are some examples that we are getting in our daily lives that that's clearly manipulation? The biggest one that I deal with with all of my clients, and these these can be business clients or or uh, personal relationship clients, is that they feel. It is wrong to ensure that their needs are met. In other words, to have a certain level of selfishness where they make sure their needs are met or they just don't do business with the people. Mm. Uh, there's this there's this constant pressure on people to be nice, to just go along to get along, to you know do whatever you have to to make sure there's peace and everybody is okay. And the that is incredibly destructive to the individual because it creates resentment when you're not getting your needs met. Enough time goes by, you're doing business with people, you're not getting your needs met. And, you know, this happens in a lot of a lot of companies. People quit not because they're not getting paid well enough or they don't like the job, but because they feel that they're not being respected, their their contribution to the team is not being valued and they, you know, they'll switch departments, they'll quit. And all of this is extremely expensive to companies because they have to go and find a new person and integrate them into a team rather than just holding on to them by helping them to to uh, to to feel that they really are part of that team by making sure their needs are filled as well. And that's really that's one of the main jobs of, for example, a CEO is cultivating the higher talent in the company and making sure that those high end talent have a path forward in the company, that they feel that this is a place they really want to be. And it's 
it's largely about perception. And if the perception is created through manipulation, it's going to be very fragile. And don't forget your high performance people are also smart enough to see through manipulation eventually. Hmm. So if you're, if you're using that to keep them in there, they're going to see it eventually and they're going to find somewhere where they can grow. And if it's not where you are, they'll grow somewhere else. And now you've got someone who doesn't like you working for your competitors or your suppliers. Yeah. I, one of the things I saw, you know, I did 22 years in corporate before I started my own company six years ago. And um, I saw manipulation. I guess now that I, you describe it that way, I saw it all the time. And I saw it with bosses that would make promises to employees with no intention on keeping them. So they would say, you know, if you do this one project, you know, we'll we'll look at your salary again in a year and see if we can get you a bump up in your salary. Or, you know, if you do this one job for me, you know, we'll, I'll get you a promotion here going forward. And, and these people were known for just making empty promises. And so is that a form of manipulation? Is that is is that essentially what they're doing is just sort of giving somebody a false promise uh, just to get them yeah, to do their bidding? Absolutely. And what it is, is it's not just the false promise, but if you were to question that, because someone says, I'll give you a raise in a year, everybody knows that means nothing. That doesn't right. mean anything. Right. I, I mean, will the planet be around in a year? I don't know. I, a year's a long time in business. Yeah. I want to wait for a year while, while we have 12% inflation to get a raise. And and there you know and what would that raise be? There's yeah. this is any promise that's so vague as that you know it's a lie. Yeah. Why don't yeah. you question it though? Why does no one question it? Because yeah. if you question it, you're not a team player. You're going to yeah. be shamed. Yeah. You're not. You're not a team player. How yeah. dare you question authority? How, they, how dare you ask? But these are people. You know, the people that do it. I noticed were people that just didn't have. Uh, their word, their word wasn't, uh, they didn't honor their word. And, and, and it was meant, it was meant as um, just to get people to do what they wanted to do uh, for the short term and with no plan for the long term. So it was just, I just got to get this done. So I'm going to, I'm going to tell, I'm going to tell John, whatever, I'm, whatever I need to tell him to get this one thing done and uh, with no intention to follow up. And, and I, I think People knew it. I mean, we we all knew the people that that did that, that were manipulators and that would and had no intention. They didn't honor their word. And it was just that those are the people that nobody wanted to work for, you know, because they knew that, that, that they didn't that these that those bosses didn't care about their people. They were just trying to manipulate them and, and get things done. And it's always the victim that feels uncomfortable in that situation. Yeah. Why can't we stand up for ourselves in a way where the liar feels uncomfortable for lying? Yeah. It's because so many companies, they have this ego before truth culture. Mm. If you want your company to withstand, you know, all the competition and changes in the marketplace and changes in how people work, everything that, that happens constantly, you have to put truth before ego so that when things change, you're willing to admit that things have changed and maybe my ideas aren't going to work and now we got to do something different because you can have a big ego, but you got to have the truth above the ego. And as soon as you invert that, and for whatever reason it is, ideological reasons or or simply pure ego, you end up with an organization where manipulation now has to happen because you you can't function in the real world if you don't see reality. And so your best employees are going to be very reality focused. Mm. They're going to be very focused on what is true, what is real. This is especially true of innovative employees. If you have an engineering company, your engineers 
can't work in hope and belief. They work in science and mathematics and precision. And when they tell you something, they're telling that to you based on on the on reality. If you're using a uh, ego before truth culture, you're going to prevent them from innovating because they're not going. That's not compatible with what they need to do, and you'll drive them out of your company. This is why companies like Microsoft and and Amazon and others they have these Skunk Works divisions, is to get these high performers away from the you know, the the politics of the office and HR and all the main centers for manipulation and away from the salespeople so that they can work because they won't tolerate working with those other people. Mm. That makes you, a lot you, of sense. But now we can't stick those people in a corner all the time. We need them integrated more with the business units. Yep. And, and that's not going to happen if your business units run on manipulation because they just won't work there. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Leadership skills are like any other skills. You need to practice them to get better at them. Best-selling leadership author John S. Rennie knows this. That's why he's written a new book called You Have the Watch. It's a guided journal for leaders designed to take you through an entire year of leadership training. By the end of the year, you will master 50 of the most important leadership skills. If you want to have a greater impact on the results and people in your organization, go to youhavethewatch.com and pick up your copy today. This episode is brought to you by the Fraternity of Excellence. The Fraternity of Excellence is an online and real-world community for men who are looking to improve in all areas of their lives. The men of FOE are working together to become better husbands, fathers, and leaders at work and in their communities. They live by a simple philosophy, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Now, I've been a member for more than three years, and for me, I finally found a brotherhood of men that I was missing from my time in the military. Now, I love being around guys who are dedicated to becoming a better version of themselves. So if you're interested in becoming a man of excellence as well, go to fraternityofexcellence.com, or you can reach out directly to me to learn more. So how how do we in in our companies either as a either as a boss or an employee how do we become more aware that manipulation is taking place how do we how do our, we get our radar up right so we sense that this is happening and the other thing is how do we develop immunity towards it how do we as you say you know focus on the truth and push back when we know we're being manipulated so give us some feelings for Wait, one is how do we how do we know what's happening and then how do we how do we develop an immunity towards it? Well, there's a couple of ways we can do it. One is the very slow and very expensive way of learning by experience. And every time you get burned, you mark in your head and you go, <laughs> I'm not going to fall for that one specific narrow little trick again. Instead, I'm going to fall for one I haven't heard yet. And that's that's very expensive. That's what most people are doing. Or you can get my book and you can read it. And you can understand <clears throat> understand the strategies and the tactics that are used by manipulators so that when you're faced with them, it hits that, it triggers in your head that bell that says, I might be getting manipulated. And then there's tests you can do. Is this manipulation or did the person, maybe it's a misunderstanding, and you can go through it. And even more advanced than that is you can have a process for dealing with manipulation in companies. Ideally, if someone comes is manipulating me, I will go and I'll have a conversation with them and I will try to figure out what they want. But I'll also let them know that those methods that they're using to get what they want don't work with me. And in fact, that pushes me away. 
because mm-hmm. it makes me feel defensive that I need to protect myself because I can't trust you as much. And this is how you can build trust with me. You need to be honest and transparent. You need to tell me what you really want, you know, not what you think I want to hear. And, and this is the, this is the truth before face, uh, the truth before ego culture, where we have to put the truth first. And these conversations mostly have to be done in private because people's egos can't handle the conversation being done in public. Only if it comes to a point where, you know, there's, you're getting into uh, having to perhaps fire someone that has maybe has to be done in public, but you're actually by you stopping manipulating as a, as a man, as a leader, you're setting this example. Mm-hmm. You can't deal with me through manipulation. Mm-hmm. I won't deal with you through manipulation. Mm-hmm. So this stops the, the uh, vertical manipulation and to stop the horizontal manipulation, you train your employees on how to get things done in a way that doesn't require manipulation. You have to train them in persuasion. Uh, and that that allows them to have a different tool set. Most people don't really want to manipulate. It's just that he, humans do the easiest thing. Yeah. And manipulation's easy. And we already know how to do it because most of us were manipulated since childhood. So we already know how to do it. And it's easy. And at first it works, so we do it. It's only when we have other tools that we're able to use those tools to get things done. And so making sure your employees have those tools, and it sounds kind of funny, like you you have to teach adults how to get along, (laughs) but we don't have institutions that do that anymore. Schools don't teach kids how to get along. They teach them how to avoid conflict, which is completely different. Mm, You know, when you avoid conflict, you never get good at it. Mm. And, and the other thing that schools do is they tend to confuse adversarial conflict with uh, cooperative conflict. So if you and I working together and we disagree on something, but we both have the same objectives, our company's got to make money. You know, we've got to serve our clients' needs and take care of our employees. We're going to come to an agreement with each other through friendly means because we're, we're, we're on the same team, even though we're in conflict. If we have adversarial conflict, it's perfectly fine for me to sink your ship. That's okay, <laughs> you know, because that's actually maybe what I want to do. Although you you don't always win by destroying the enemy. Sometimes you win by getting them to stop fighting. But your goal then is very, very different. And other types of tactics are okay. But within the organization, you can't use adversarial tactics against your fellow employee, your your, your fellow worker. When you do that, you destroy the relationship, you destroy the spirit, the core of the organization, and you can't recover from that. That that will collapse your organization. And it tends to metastasize. It spreads like a cancer throughout the organization. And if you've ever worked in a place like that, everyone against everyone else, it's an absolute horrible place to work. Mm, And the productivity is gone. And yeah, you'll yeah. start seeing what's called malicious compliance, where oh, yeah. people technically yeah. comply to the rules, but reality, yeah. they're they're trying to put holes in that ship. They're trying to sink oh, yeah. the, the company as much as they can. Yeah, my last corporate gig was that, and that's why <laughs> I started my own company. <laughs> it was yeah. it was obvious that it was there was too many cannonballs flying around. I had to get out of there. So it was it was a bad environment. But you you mentioned something that mentioned something I think is kind of important. There's a difference between manipulation and persuasion. Maybe just touch a little bit about the, the differences between the two. Yeah, so manipulation is a form of aggression. It's where you're viewing someone else as an object rather than a person, and you're trying to move them into a position that's more convenient for you. 
Um, you can think of like a, a mother trying to manipulate a child into brushing his teeth. And, you know, she just wants the teeth brush. She doesn't care how it works or how he gets, she gets it done or how she has to, what she has to say to the kid. She's manipulating him versus persuasion, whereas the mother um, convinces the child that brushing his teeth is in his best interest. That takes more time. But, you know, I did that. My first kid, I tried to manipulate him into brushing his teeth. He is the second. No, he's the most stubborn person I know. I'm the second most stubborn. <laughs> and we we would have these battles of the wills for two hours over toothbrushing. And oh, this is so stupid. I, I did this a couple of times. I'm like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to fight with my child. So I learned how to persuade him to do it. That took two or three times. And now I don't ask him to brush his teeth. I remind him, I, oh, it's time you go to bed. You got to brush your teeth. He goes off and does it. I don't have to ask my my twins. They never went through that fighting back period, even though they're incredibly stubborn. Because I never approached it in a I te- treating them like an object that needs to be moved. I treated them like people that deserved respect mm. and were part of a team, part of, well, in this case, a family. But if you're at work, it's we're part of the same organism where our objectives are the same. And this is your role to play within it. And that's what persuasion is, is getting people to be on board with the project, not just accepting it. Um, then the difference is, 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 you know, if someone is excited about what you propose and they want to go with it too, and it fulfills all their needs, it fulfills all your needs. Everyone's happy to participate. You don't have to do a lot of supervision. You can let them go on their own. You know, they're not going to stop. They're not going to need constant motivation and kicking the pants to go forward. You're, you're going to be having to hold them back almost. Whereas if you've manipulated them into place at any moment, they could recognize they were manipulated or or they may have recognized it and they just went along with it anyway, and they can take back their acceptance of it. And now you're fighting your project and you're fighting your team as well. Yeah. And that yeah. that cycle of, you, you, I thought they were on board yesterday. <laughs> I talked to everybody and they agreed. And now today everyone's got reasons why they don't think this is a good idea. It's because you didn't listen to them in the first meeting. And they were too scared to present their objections. And so we we need to work on open persuasion, which means people have to have trust. It's mm-hmm. hard to persuade someone that doesn't trust you. If they trust you because you have a history of dealing with them fairly, hearing their objections, um, giving their objection a fair shake, and, and even you know giving them the opportunity to explain or experiment with their way of doing things. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm married and my, my wife has her way of cleaning and, and doing different things. And if I stand there and watch her, it irritates me because I've got my own way of doing things. And because I'm a man, it's the most efficient way possible. <laughs> and her way is the way that she likes to do it. Right. It's about most joyful way possible. You know, she's dancing and cleaning. And I'm like, you clean faster if you didn't dance all the time. <laughs> but she does it the way she wants to do it and she gets it done. And if I try to manipulate her into doing it my way, it might be more efficient way to do it, but she won't do it my way. It just won't get done. Mm. And it's like this in a lot, a lot of times as, as a leader, if we could clone ourselves a hundred times and make a team of us, you know, we, we think we'd be super productive. The reality is we wouldn't be, and we can't do that. Right, right. And so we have to get people on board with our plan, which means sometimes 
We have to do it in a way that they like it as well. We have to bend a little to their preferences and needs because otherwise we're not going to get their commitment. Mm. Persuasion gets you commitment. Manipulation gets you subjugation. You force them into it until they feel that they have enough power to say no again and and out they come from the from the agreement. So how do we like how do we stop ourselves as if we're bosses and we're trying to get, you know, we I always say leadership is about, you know, motivating a group of people to get something done, right? And so that motivation may fall into the world of manipulation. So how do we what can we do to to pause or what what sort of thing can we think about that that will make us stop and say, "Whoa, I'm actually manipulating and I should be persuading and I need to stop." What are maybe some some signals that we should we should think about to 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 kind of stop ourselves in our track? So the very highest level, the strategy level, we have to constantly remind ourselves that it, that the team is a bunch of humans where it's mm-hmm. a bunch of people working together the relationships between them are complex there's no guarantee that everyone likes each other and yet we still have to cooperate and work together and how do we make that happen um and and that's that's what the the leader does he takes a bunch of people and makes them into a team mm-hmm. that can accomplish something and that that process has to see them as people and not just objects not just uh, office tools. And that's that's the first one. That requires empathy. And mm-hmm. it requires bounded empathy. You can't have unlimited empathy with people. Um, but you have to have enough empathy to understand what their needs are and to make sure that enough of their needs are fulfilled that they want to be at work. Mm-hmm. If, if your employees so don't want to be at work, you got a really big problem. Yeah. Like I yeah. work for myself. So I have a great boss. And I want to be at work. I, I show up happy to see my clients. And, you know, it's coaching can be real heavy stuff. People talk about real difficult problems they have. And that can could be draining. If I wasn't excited to show up to work and bringing that energy with me, I couldn't do this job. Mm. And a lot of us have those jobs that could be really draining if we had to fight the job and fight our own team. Yeah. <laughs> we yeah. just can't do that. You know, there's... I think I think it's in the Bible. It says a house divided against itself cannot stand. Yeah, it's true for any organization. Man, this makes so much sense. This has been really good, and and uh, no, I really appreciate you taking us through this. And I, and again, we just started the discussion. I think you know I highly recommend that the, the you know listeners that you take a look at this book, becoming immune to manipulation. Manipulation is a big part of what we deal with in our human relationships, and. Uh, and like you said, it's it's in a lot of cases it's it's a lose lose scenario, and it's a not good, and it's not good if we're using these in our, in our leadership, um, in in our day to day. So we've got to watch out for manipulation. Persuasion's good, manipulation's not good, and this book is going to help uh, you get better at uh, your relationships with the people that work for you, and your peers, and your boss, really, for that matter. So. Noah, how can people find out more about you, your coaching, what you do, uh, and also uh, this new book? So you can get the book on Amazon, and you can just freeze frame there, look up the book, <laughs> or you can look up my name. It's the only one I have on Amazon, so it'll pop up first. And uh, that's one of the best ways to get started on this because it's it's inexpensive. It comes to your house. Read the book. When you're done reading the book, reach out to me, noahrevoy.com, and um, you know, book a discovery call. So that website's primarily set up for my relationship coaching. Um, but reach out to me as well if you have a business and you're concerned that manipulation is harming your business. 
reach out to me and I'll talk to you specifically about that. And a lot of times that little discovery call can solve the problem or two that the person has. And, you know, sometimes it's two or three months before they get back to me afterwards, because implementing that one solution, the value they got from 30 minute call is, is so profound in the change it makes. It takes months before they feel they need another change. So it definitely reach out to me. Um, you know, this isn't just about making more money. This is about changing the world from one in which we manipulate each other, in which we treat each other like objects, to one in which we persuade each other and build trusting relationships with other people. And that's really the main reason I wrote the book, was to change how the culture encourages us to interact with everyone that we deal with each day. Wow, that's fantastic. Well, we'll put links in the show notes for those resources. Noah, thank you for coming on the show and thank you for introducing us to this really important topic. And uh, I know I learned a lot and I know our listeners did as well. So thanks for coming on the show. You're welcome. I appreciate it very much. Thank you. Well, that's it for today. Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and share so we can continue to build a world with better bosses. Until next time, this is John Rennie saying, take care and lead well. Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for all you do. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. For more information and updates, please visit our website at www.deepleadershippodcast.com or johnsrenny.com. Until next time, take care. Hey guys, it's Miriam Love here, and I want to share something very special with you. Check out my new release. All in the Spanish remixes out now on Electric Cast Records. And always remember, be love, share love, all love. Available now wherever you listen to music. Ever thought about starting your own podcast? Do you have a business or a message you want to share with the world? Well, now it's easier than ever with Electricast. Hi, I'm Mark Netter. And I'm Peter Rafelson. We're the founders of Electricast Media. Whether you want to start a new podcast or already have one, join Electricast to grow your audience, monetize your content, and build your community. With our simple sign-up, you get free promotion, world-class analytics, premium ads, and personal support. Go to Electricast.com and join our community today. Electricast. Transform your influence. Electricast.